HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. And today I have a very special guest here. Actually, two guests. Um, We have Sandy Schirk and uh, my good friend Marissa Huff, who's going to be translating. Sandy Schirk's a uh, a winemaker up in the Carso region of Friuli. Um, Welcome, welcome, Sandy. It's great to have you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> nice uh, to meet you. So, Sandy speaks some English, um, but wh- whenever we have, uh, whenever we need help, we're going to have uh, Marissa help out. Marissa, wel- welcome to the show as well. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Marissa, I, I, Marissa, and I go back. I think we met in Italy. Is that possible? Quite possibly on a wild boar hunt. Yeah, we had a, a great wild boar hunt with uh, Michael Wilson from La Cucina Italiana and uh, Mark Ladner, actually. Yes. Uh, and then you brought me to uh, to Venice. Um, Marissa currently lives in Padova, and I swear the first time I went to Venice, I, I really did not like it at all. Uh, I thought it was just filled with tourists. Obviously, it's very beautiful. Um, but then when I uh, when I went back with you, I was like, Venice is probably the coolest city I've ever been to. <laughs> you discovered the hidden Venice. Well, you you were you were our guide, and it, it was uh, it was really awesome. Great, thanks. And can you tell us about how how you and Sandy uh, got together, and and how do you know each other? Um, I met Sandy through Benjamin Ziderich, who I had loved loved his wines, still love his wines, and went up to Perpoto, the small town in the Carso where he has his winery. And Benjamin introduced me to Sandy, his next-door neighbor, who's not been making wine necessarily as long as Benjamin, but is doing some really, really interesting things. All right. And, okay, and uh, Sandy, tell us a little bit about the, the Carso. I've been to the Carso. Um, I went to visit Vodo Pivets and Eddie Cante um, up there. And from what I know of this area, it seems like there are a very uh, small amount of producers, but the quality is extremely high. Um, but tell, tell us about, about uh, the area of Italy in which you live. 
Yes, uh, uh, we are in Italy, northeast Italy of the Slovenian border. Excuse me for my English, but <laughs> we have a um, uh, good friend, Marisa, and uh, um, she translates. Um, il, il Carso è um, una zona piccolissima e quindi eh, vocata per i vini di qualità dove si produce Vitosca, si produce Malvasia e Tarrano, questi sono i tre vitini principali. Bisogna dire un'altra cosa che il Carso è, è il posto dove è nata anche la glera, la glera è quella vita che dà il vino prosecco. Ok, he says the Carso region is quite small um, and particularly good for making wine. He will later explain to us why that is. And the uh, indigenous grapes to the area are Vitovska, Malvasia Istriana, um, Terano, Teran, and also the Glera grape, uh, which is now being used to make Prosecco elsewhere. Yeah, I, so I, 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 I love Malvasia Istriana. It's a er- very aromatic floral version of Malvasia. And Vitovska, unique just to, to your area. I had no idea that Glera was planted in the Carso. Um, how did, what's the history of that? And I know you, you used some, I had uh, some in your, uh, one of your wines last night. Sì, la glera è la prima vite che è nata sul Carso. Tutto il costone triestino che va da, sono dei piccolissimi paesi, da Sistiana fino a Trieste, era una volta coltivato soltanto a glera principalmente. Era coltivato tutto sui terrazzamenti, eh, i terrazzamenti sono quelli che sono stati abbandonati per primi perché bisognava lavorare tutto manualmente. Eh, oggi però stiamo rifacendo queste vigne e fra qualche anno faremo noi anche qualche, qualche bollicina di, di glera, di prosecco, che però non avrà niente a che fare col prosecco del Veneto e sarà una cosa tutta nostra e tutta naturale. So um, he says that Glera was actually the first grape to uh, be cultivated in uh, the Carso area. And the entire zone from, let's say, the small towns that begin in Sistiana and go all the way over to Trieste on the, lar- the, the hillside, the ridge that leads from Sistiana to Trieste, were, was all planted with Glera um, on the hillsides in terraced um, vineyards. And they ended up being abandoned for the, the first thing to be abandoned because they required a lot of work and had to be harvested manually and cared for manually. But in the past couple of years, um, Sandy and some of the other producers in the area have uh, rented the land that used to be dedicated to Glera and have planted Glera again and are uh, working to come out with their own version of Prosecco. Probably won't even be called Prosecco, but it will be a Metodo Classico or Champenoise uh, wine made with Glera grape. Oh, so two questions. Uh, I'm so fascinated by the, the, the fact that Glera is there. Uh, two questions. Number one, what are the, some of the oldest vines of Glera? Because if they'd been abandoned, maybe I, I assume that there's some very old vines. And then what do you think will, will be um, characteristic of Glera from Carso that's different from other areas? Um, uh, la Glera è un vitigno che risale a 500 anni fa, anche più. La, la storia ci dice questo, si trova il nome della Glera su qualche poesia dei, dei nostri poeti, su qualche eh, romanzo dei, dei nostri scrittori. E, la, 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 la Glera è, è, un, è un vino eh, che da noi veniva prodotto eh, non come il Prosecco del Veneto, è, è un vino, è un'uva che veniva coltivata su un territorio dove la vite dava pochissima uva dove la vendemmia non veniva fatta in agosto ma veniva fatta dopo il 15 di ottobre perché le uve erano molto molto mature e, e dava un vino importante, non un vino 
eh, facile da bere e come qualità prezzo prosecco quindi Okay, so Sandy says <laughs> that the, uh, the historical records show that Glaria has been in the Carso for at least 500 years and um, that the, the, the expression of it is quite different than what we think of Prosecco today, that they were very small vineyards and the focus was on quality and there was very low yield and um, they would also harvest much later than people are harvesting in the Veneto. So that he's talking about, you know, mid-October, so the grapes were quite ripe. And, um, and yes, it was, it's just very different tasting. Yeah, one of the things that, that I picked up, you said it's non è facile di bere, so that they're not wines that are yes. easy to drink, that are, that are thoughtless wines. And the, the, that's something that I noticed was uh, uh, common with many of the wines from Carso, that these are like strong sturdy wines that are that are that are thoughtful thought-provoking uh sandy makes uh wines with extended skin contact which we call orange wines um here but they're they're also beautiful and and uh and pure um as well as being very strong and sturdy mm-hmm. i listened to the Yes, Sandy yesterday speak about, uh, the, let's say, the category of orange wines. And he mm. said, you know, it depends what that means for you. Um, for him, if it, you're talking about wine produced in a certain way and doesn't, it's not just about skin contact, okay, that applies to him. Otherwise, you know, he, he, we find with a lot of these producers, they, you know, are individualists and are all doing their own thing. What Sandy does, yes, he does have skin contact that maybe can last between a week to two weeks, but his cellar temperature is naturally quite uh, cooler than some of the other producers in the area, so the expression is quite different, and you don't necessarily see that orange color in his mm-hmm. wine. Except for the blend. The Except blend. for the blend, because there's the Pinot Grigio there, so the, the Romato <laughs> color comes out, even though that's the w- one of the wines that um, has less skin contact. And about the, the specific area of the, of the Carso, um, when I was there, I remembered being extremely windy. Um, uh, I felt like uh, it was maybe less, even less populated than other, than other parts of, of Friuli. And to me, uh, and, and the, the soil was like this uh, very hard, rocky, red soil. Um, and then I always com- equated though that with being... Uh, indicative of the wines too. They're 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 solid, strong wines, but very pretty at the same time. And it, it's one of the few places in the world that can, I think, combine both of those things. Is my characterization? Do you agree with my characterization, or is this uh, just an outsider's point of view? Sì, il Carso è un territorio come hai detto che ha la terra rossa, poca terra, tanta roccia, una terra molto ricca di ferro, di, di minerali che poi tipicizza il, il nostro, la nostra uva e quindi il nostro vino. Le viti devono farsi forza da noi perché c'è pochissima terra, quindi quando crescono le radici devono spostare le rocce affinché possano crescere. Però questa crescita lenta e costante poi dalla qualità del, dell'uva, dalla qualità del prodotto. E poi c'è un territorio con un bellissimo clima, un clima, eh, eh, come hai detto, molto ventilato, dove non c'è l'umidità e dove i trattamenti si fanno pochissimi e quelli anche solo con rame zolfo. Noi abbiamo questo vento tipico eh, che è a Trieste, la Bora, che viene in genere col cattivo tempo, che è un vento molto freddo, forte e che quindi spazza via l'umidità. È, è, un, è una salute per la nostra vigna. Ok. 
So he said, yes, he agrees with you, Joe. You, you, got, you, <laughs> you, you were able to paint the correct picture, that it's an area that has very little soil, very little topsoil that they bring in. And it, what it is is very rich in iron, so you get that red color. But then after about a meter down, you will find limestone rock that goes down for hundreds of meters. So the, the vines really do have to work hard to and work and work slowly to grow and um, spread down and, and actually move rock to create you know crevices for them. Um, so that's part of part of it. And then there's also yes, this uh, really amazing climate where um, the bora, which is this wind, comes through, especially after storms and when it's rained, that helps to take the humidity away. So they are able to work in a natural way more easily than some other people. Sorry, more easily than maybe some other people might be able to. <laughs> Thanks, Marisa. Uh, so, Sandy, tell us about the, uh, the first couple of vintages. What's the history of, of your estate? How did you get started? Uh, le, le nostre aziende sono tutte piccole, però sono nate generazioni fa. Generazioni fa i nonni, oltre al vino, avevano una, le fattorie, quindi oltre al vino si aveva tutto quello che serviva per sopravvivere. Poi noi ci siamo indirizzati soltanto al vino con mio padre 25 anni fa, 30 anni fa abbiamo cominciato e io personalmente dal 2000 poi ho scelto la strada dei vini naturali, vini fatti in vigna, non in cantina, vini come facevano i nostri nonni. Okay, so he says that uh, winemakers in the Carso have been making wine for generations. Um, then once upon a time not only were they making wine, but they were also tending the land and had farms. Um, he and his fa he worked with his father and they started bottling wine. Um, and in 2000, let's say, is the year that he stepped away and decided to uh, start making wine in a natural way, where it's made, he says, in the vineyard rather than in the cellar. W was this a, a difficult situation, a uh, decision to make? Was your, your father supportive of this? Um. Sì, c'era un rapporto col padre non facile perché il padre faceva un vino tradizionale classico come fanno il 90% delle aziende e quando siamo passati al vino naturale, quindi al lavoro in vigna, alle fermentazioni sulle bucce, al non aggiunta di alcunché in cantina era un passaggio che non veniva accettato facilmente, però è un passaggio che che facevano il, il modo di fare il vino dei nostri nonni e, e, e la, tra, la nostra tradizione, la nostra storia e per questo abbiamo scelto questa strada. So he said, yeah, no, his dad was not particularly happy with his decision to basically go back to doing what his grandfather was doing. So probably at some point there was also an argument between, you know, his father and his grandfather. And he said that, yeah, no, no, his grandfather just, or sorry, his father didn't understand really why he would want to go and... Um, basically take on some risks and make wine with, you know, fermenting um, without adding ad additional yeast, We're spending so much time taking care of the land itself and uh, go down a different road. Yeah. And is he pleased with the, was he pleased with the results after, after years of, uh, uh, of tasting it? Or when he tastes the wine, was he more like, oh, this is so old-fashioned, I'm not into it? No, adesso gli piace assolutamente. Anche lui ha capito che il, il vino, il modo giusto di fare il vino è quello di seguire la tradizione, quello che abbiamo sempre fatto nel nostro territorio del Carso, cioè eh, la fermentazione sulle bucce era una cosa 
obbligatoria perché sulla buccia troviamo tutti i lieviti naturali, i tannini, gli enzimi, sono tutte sostanze che l'uva già ha, quindi non serve che noi aggiungiamo alcunché al vino. Yes, he said now his father is convinced and um, is happy to be drinking wine the way that it has been made in that area for generations. Um, so with this fermenting on the skins and that the skins provide all of those substances that other people would have to maybe add to the wine. And so this, this natural approach, he, he is convinced. Uh, are your wines embraced in Friuli in your, and especially in your area as well? Or are they more for export? I could see them doing really well. I, obviously, I, I love the wines here in, in New York. I could see them doing well in San Francisco and London and Paris and anywhere there's this natural wine you know, interest. Uh, but do you sell them in Friuli as well? Dove vende i vini? Il, il vino eh, boh, come una piccola azienda logicamente abbiamo cominciato le vendite prima nella città eh, poi nel Friuli, poi in Italia eh, oggi siamo molto contenti soddisfatti perché il vino viene venduto negli Stati Uniti come hai detto a Londra in Germania, in, in Austria e in alcuni altri paesi eh, e questo ci dà molta soddisfazione perché riusciamo a portare un pezzo del, a far conoscere un pezzo del Carso tramite il vino anche a una, 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 una bella parte del mondo. So he said yes, like most wine producers that are, you know, start, start off quite small, um, they first started selling their wine in Trieste and then expanded to the rest of Friuli and then eventually to the rest of Italy mm. and now, that they, now they are selling abroad and he's particularly happy with this because it, for him it represents being able to share a small part of this very, very special corner of Italy with the rest of the world. All right, we are going to take a quick break. Um, we'll be back with more uh, with Sandy Skerk and Marissa Huff here on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com.
we're back with uh, Sandy Skerrick and Marissa Huff on In the Drink. Um, Sandy, we were talking about uh, about how people in Friuli are embracing your wines, uh, but there's been a, a quite a radical change in the types of wines that are being produced um, in Friuli. Some of the longer skin mat- macerated wines that really you didn't see made commercially in the in the 1990s. Um, do you feel like the the tastes of uh, people in your area have been in line with the way that the the wine types have have been changing, or do the wine types change first and then people catch up years after? Um. So we. Um, io penso che il, um, uh, come ho detto prima uh, questo modo di fare quando qualcuno viene in cantina da noi uh, e ci dice voi fate i, i orange wine i vini uh, macerati il contatto sulle bucce questo è una moda perché lo fate io, io rispondo ma questo non è una moda questo è il vino che da sempre si faceva sul nostro territorio la moda è tutto il resto dei vini come si fanno negli ultimi 30 anni quindi ehm, io penso che prima bisogna cambiare adesso noi prima dobbiamo cambiare il vino e poi le persone capiranno il perché l'abbiamo cambiato perché era sempre fatto in questo modo ok, so he says that um, you know, people will come to visit his cellar and say, oh, so you're making orange wine um, is, are you doing it because it's trendy are you, what, you know, what's your, your reason behind it and he said, no, well actually it's been made like this for generations since basically you know, wine's been made here in the Carso um, so what the trend is for him is the more commercially made wine actually and so that's the, the kind of communication message that he's trying to get out there when people come to his cellar and say um, don't think of what you know these natural orange wines in the car so as something that's um, the product of a trend or we're trying to meet a, a small niche market mm-hmm. but this is what truly we represent and this is what we will be doing from now on and let's talk about your life a little bit before the before being a a winemaker, a very very talented one at that, um, you were working as an engineer. Is that correct? And and how 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 does that uh, affect? Uh, well, tell us about the 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 moment when you realized that you didn't want to do this the your your previous job and you wanted to go into wine. And then I want to know uh, <laughs> how does it affect your the way you look at at the the winery and and your your life now. Um, sì, io sono una pers- persona molto testarda, quindi quando i genitori mi hanno detto vai a fare agronomia, vai a fare um, enologia, non li ascoltavo mai, se li avevo sempre da solo, forse un po' per contrastarli, ho scelto ingegneria, l'ho finita e ho anche provato a lavorare da ingegnere, però non faceva per me, e da quando sono ritornato nel, nell'azienda sono rinato. E, Okay, he says that, you know, he's a very headstrong uh, individual and his parents had actually suggested that he go to enology school and take over the family business. But he said no and decided to study engineering and ended up working for a couple of years as an engineer. Um, However, realized that it wasn't his calling and ended up going back to the vineyard and, um, and, and is now, you know... 
il fatto è che quando si studiava eh, da sempre sono nato in una famiglia di agricoltori quando ero bambino mi ricordo prima di andare in asilo noi quella volta avevamo ancora 20 mucche a casa ogni mattina col papà andavo in stalla che mungeva le mucche e poi andavo in asilo forse anche per questo le maestre non mi volevano tanto bene perché avevo sempre questo odore di, di, di mucca addosso <ride> comunque eh, era una parte di me stesso fare l'agricoltore eh, e per questa ragione ho, ho poi quando ho provato a fare altri lavori ho visto la potenzialità e la bellezza del territorio di Car del Carso e cosa possiamo offrire e cosa possiamo produrre. Eh, ho deciso di tornare a casa e, e lavorare soltanto in azienda e, e da, quel, da quel giorno lì sono veramente soddisfatto. He says that as a child um, he would, his father you know, was a farmer and they had 20 cows at home and every day before preschool he would go into the stalls with his father and, and milk the cows and he said that was possibly one of the reasons that his preschool teachers didn't like him so much that he came, <laughs> arrived every day smelling like a cow. But um, this was just a, a little anecdote to say that he, you know, he is a farmer on the inside um, that after exploring other paths realized that this is really who he is and how special and beautiful the territory is and that he can share that and bring it out. Um, it's, yeah, what he is and he's not going to be able to do anything else at this point. And you're... Your cellar is pretty special and pretty fantastic. And uh, can you tell us about about the the cellar and and how maybe some of your experience as an engineer helped uh, to build it out? Se si studia qualcosa, poi ci si dimentica di tutti i particolari. È giusto che si dimentica. Oggi non sono più ingegnere, sono vignaiolo. Però ti rimane forse il modo di pensare e il modo di approcciare quelle cose. Che quello sicuramente forse non è sbagliato quello che ti insegnano a ingegneria. Comunque le nostre cantine sul Carso sono tutte molto belle perché sono tutte scavate nella pietra. Sono cantine che la temperatura e l'umidità si autoregola da sola, non abbiamo bisogno di, di, di alcun tipo di condizionatore, è, è un posto dove il vino matura nella maniera ottimale, quindi è il completamento di quello che facciamo in vigna. Okay, he said, yes, after studying you know, a lot, you, and then switching careers, uh, he had forgotten some of the, let's say, things that he had learned when he was studying engineering. However, the way of thinking has stayed with him. And um, he didn't explain this, but I would be happy to, is that, you know, he did dig out his own cellar in the, in the stone rock and um, created a special way to basically drill down four points, then passed a string that had, was diamond studded um, through these points and was able to create just like vertical um, cuts and finally go in and remove the rest of the rock. So you, when you go down into his cellar, you will find, you know, this sheer... Um, wall of rock and then the, you also see some parts that are much more rough where there are grottos and that's one of the things that is very special about his is they discovered that there's a um, 150 meter deep grotto that leads into where he is fermenting and aging his wines which acts as a natural air conditioner for him that's incredible that's incredible and so the the walls are unfinished so they're part of it where they're where they're you would find that there had been a grotto itself or a mm -hmm. cave. That part is unfinished. Otherwise, it, it looks very um, sleek because that's where he made the cuts. And uh, I'm going a little bit out of order. Uh, but so did you end up going to uh, enology school after all when you decided to make the change? Or did you, did you skip enology school? Um, 
dopo me, me la sono studiata da solo non, ho, non ho, sono studiato enologia non ho studiato agronomia me la sono dovuto studiare da solo da, da un punto di vista eh, è un bene nel senso che studiarsela e poi soprattutto capire sul campo eh, come si lavora per fare un vino naturale si ha la facilità di svincolarsi certe volte di tutta la scuola dell'enologia che, che a qualcuno viene insegnata che spesso e volentieri eh, non stiamo parlando più di agricoltura ma stiamo parlando di chimica quindi eh, il vino si fa in vigna si fa in maniera naturale in cantina non si cerca di modificarlo si cerca soltanto di conservarlo e per questa ragione avevo questa facilità di, di, di approccio diverso forse rispetto a tanti enologi ok, he said no, he did not go to enology school he was self-taught um, and just by working the land um, learned so much It taught him so much, and that in the cellar, you know, basically he sees that as a place where you are preserving wine or keeping wine um, rather than changing it in any way. Yeah, I mean, just really incredible wines, uh, uh, and especially for someone who didn't think that this was their calling and then, then became self-taught. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of enology school in general? Do you think that it is a, a good course for some people, or do you think it's better to to stay away from enology school no, studiare enologia è giustissimo infatti tutti quelli che, eh, che studiano enologia sicuro hanno delle basi molto larghe molto buone però dico che quando poi si va a, a fare il vino bisogna eh, prendere tutte le cose che si hanno studiato con molta cautela eh, e ci sono degli enologi che questo l'hanno capito e sono molto bravi e, e riescono a fare bravissimo, benissimo il loro lavoro altri invece eh, purtroppo sono troppo legati a quello che il professore gli ha insegnato e questo eh, bisogna sempre vederlo in un'ottica eh, di produzione in un'ottica legata al territorio le cose che si sono apprese eh, nel, nei corsi dell'università dell'enologia So he says, you know, he, he does think analogy school is a completely valid and is a great choice for some people, but that everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt. I mean, you can understand and learn the fundamentals, but then you also have to be able to um, find, you know, your way of thinking and uh, working when you get back and you're actually out there in the field doing it. Um, that, you know, he says there are some analogists that went to school that are really, really fantastic in Italy, but usually that's because they have also, you know, put some of them of the themselves into what they're doing um, and that you, you know there's the risk of just going by the book and that that's what he thinks it can be dangerous but otherwise yes it's a great great way to get into the industry and I, I'd like to uh, drill down a little bit more into the Vitovska grape because um, as far as I can tell Vitovska is the, the only grape that is really just specific to Carso and doesn't grow anywhere else. You have Malvasi Istriana that grows in Friuli, Slovenia, Croatia. Same thing with Tirano you see all the way in, into Croatia. And obviously Glera is, is uh, a foreigner. Um, but, but Vitovska, can you tell us more about this uh, very particular Vitovska grape? And am, am I correct in saying that it's an only Carso grape and you won't find it anywhere else? Sì, è correttissimo. La Vitovska è l'unica varietà autoctona e che abbiamo soltanto sul Carso perché il Terrano ce l'hanno anche in Croazia e in altri posti del, del, del Carso 
la malvasia sappiamo che abbiamo 10 varietà di malvasie quindi la troviamo un po' ovunque la vitosca è sicuramente il vino bianco che ci lega al nostro territorio comunque la vitosca alla fine noi abbiamo fatto degli studi dieci anni fa eh, a livello del DNA con l'Università di Milano e alla fine abbiamo scoperto che è figlia della malvasia e della glera, questo significa che eh, le nostre radici comunque sono eh, quelle del vitigno glera che dicevo prima ehm, che, che per primo è cresciuto sul nostro territorio e la Vitosca ha preso un po' le cose buone sia della Malvasia che della Glera forse perché per questo è un, è un vino che piace ed è molto interessante So he says yes you are correct Vitosca is grown exclusively in the Carso and you only find it there um, and that it is really a wonderful expression of, of that place However, um, the grape, they did some studies about 10 years ago with the University of Milan looking at the DNA of the grape and found that it is the daughter or a relative of both the Glera and Malvasia Estriana grapes. And so he says that that's really important for them because it does connect them even further back in history to Glera, which was being grown there, as we mentioned before. Um, and he thinks that, you know, the, 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 the flavor of the grapes and, and also that the fact that it's only there is really um, a special thing in... in worth a visit to the Carso just to see where these Vitosca grapes are being grown. Uh, and what do you look at, think is the future for, for your winery uh, specifically and uh, in general for the, the Carso region? Il futuro del, del nostro territorio è comunque puntare ancora di più sulla qualità, puntare ancora di più sui vini naturali, puntare del lavoro manuale che facciamo in vigna e del rispetto del territorio, dell'ambiente eh, in modo tale da, da riuscire a, a produrre un vino sempre più interessante e, e, e sempre più tipico della nostra zona. Ok, so he says the, the focus in the future will be even more so on quality, um, even more so on making natural wines and respect of the land and um, yes. And I don't know if you'll, if you'll remember this, but we actually met a few years ago uh, when you came to New York. Uh, for, you were at a dinner at Felidia, and the wines weren't available. And I, I, right after, I went to that dinner, and I fell in love with your wines, and I couldn't, I couldn't find them anywhere. Um, and so uh, I'm very happy to say that now uh, Polan, that Doug Polaner has, uh, has the wines, and you're, you're, you've landed with a, with a great distributor. But what... Can you, what was that process like, finding a, a, an American distributor? You're a small winery, you only make, I think, like 2,000 cases a year or something Correct. like that. A tiny, tiny amount. How do, how do you go about deciding who's going to represent your wines? Come ho trovato l'importatore? Sì, come hai scelto. Come dire, Io penso che, e non è facile trovare l'importatore giusto per il vino che un produttore produce, è una cosa molto difficile, però eh, se si riesce a fare sicuramente c'è questo connubio poi che può dare nel tempo eh, bei risultati. Io penso che sono partito col piede giusto, perché eh, prima di tutto... Eh, diciamo la fortuna di aver conosciuto anche Marisa che è, è nel mondo di, del vino e della gastronomia che mi ha aperto gli occhi sul modo di, 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 di vivere 
in America sul modo di consumare il vino, sul modo di, di pensare e, e grazie a lei abbiamo poi avuto la, ho avuto la fortuna di trovare gli importatori giusti e, e bravissimi. Okay, he said that yes, it is a difficult process, especially for small winemakers to find the right right importers, um, and that you know he did come here two years ago, and that was a time where he was able to meet a number of people, and we were able to get his wines tasted by a number of people, and also um, understand what would be the right choice. You know, whether it was looking at specific portfolios or just who would be re representing the wines. Um, Sandy is a person that has a very wonderful character and is such a good person that I think that in, in, to some degree it also is just finding that right match of personalities. Well, as I said, I'm, I'm really happy you guys landed with, with Planner. Great, great wines, great, uh, great company, and uh, we, we, we certainly deal a lot with them. Um, all right, we're going we're gonna to close it up now. Uh, <laughs> last night, I just want to say, last night, uh, Sandy was over at, uh, at Anfora. We did a, a producer night, something we used to do at Anfora all the time, and um, we, we've uh, kind of stopped doing that. And um, I had after last night after the great time that we had i think we sold out of all the wines by nine o'clock or something uh it, it made me want to bring our producer night back to amphora i i really i really loved it the wines showed really well it was it was such a fun atmosphere so so thank you so much for for coming last night to amphora thank you so much for being on the show today um it, it was really a pleasure having you thank you thank you very much uh, and uh And, and thanks, Marissa. I also want to shout out, uh, I've been using this app, Duolingo. Uh, I don't know if you guys, uh, if you guys know it, but um, I, I had taken Italian years back, and, and I have a, an Italian tutor now. But I've been doing this app, Duo, using this app, Duolingo, and it's, it's really helped. And I, I could even see, I, I understood almost every word that, that Sandy said. So uh, che check it out if you haven't seen it. It's a free app, and uh, they have a bunch of different languages. It, it's really awesome. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>